Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, March 17th. I mean, it's St. Patrick's Day. I should know that I'm Irish. We are here live. It is a free-for-all, freaky Friday kind of day. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, jump in right now. We're going to open the phone lines. 855-950-3835. Really, anything goes today. Jump in. Uh, Henry Albert is with us. I think John's at the racetrack today. Joel, I believe, uh, I think he's working. He's making a delivery, but I think he's going to be joining us in a couple minutes. So we're going to jump in and get started. Henry, welcome back. Uh-oh, let me try that again. You gotta hit the button. You have to hit it, not just look at it. Henry, good morning. Hey, good to be here, Kevin. Yeah, I've got to wake up. I've got to. I've got to actually hit the buttons, not just think about hitting them. I hear you. I've been up since two in the morning, so I guess I'm well up. There you go. Where Where are you today? Just um, west of. Mobile, Alabama. Got it. All right. So what? Uh, what's new and exciting in your world this week? Well, I just, got, you know, with the people that say about lifting axles, I just managed to run. Well, when I get back this time, it'll be five weeks on three axles. Wow. That's, That's been interesting. Yeah. 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 The, the brake rotors and the drums and then the drums on the trailer are rusty on the one axle. They haven't been down in a month. Three axles. That's pretty crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's been good. 3,830 miles a week. But my other thought that I've had on my mind since yesterday, I got to thinking, and I forget how I came across, but where the world's population is like 7 billion something something and i said i wonder what it was when i was born in 1963 and i look and it's a little over double and the next thing i want to look at that way is how many driver's licenses were there when i was a kid and how many is there now and when you think about this you know we talk about the greatest generation and how good they did with this or how good they did with that and they did a lot of great things but they weren't necessarily very efficient at it. And and when you think about it, they used the same amount of resources that they would have been using just to be on the planet. We'd have to be twice as good or better. This sort of been my thoughts since yesterday on, you know, back in, they were lucky if they got 10 miles of the gallon with a pickup truck or a car for that matter. Oh yeah. There were, there were plenty of cars when you and I were growing up that 10 or 12 miles to the gallon was pretty common. So this got me to thinking about it with the over doubling of the population to stay at the same consumption of resources. Where would we have to be? We'd have to be twice as good. Plus back then there wasn't nearly as many two income families. And as a matter of fact, my 
family, we only had one car for a long time. One car, one television, and one bathroom. <laughs> well, with the two-income family, you, you look at where that is now, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that house I grew up in, the only house I ever lived in till I moved out, became an adult, um, probably, I'm going to say it was about 1,200 square feet. Pretty typical Midwestern split level, no garage when when we first uh, moved into it. Three bedrooms, an unfinished basement, one bathroom, and nine people lived there. We had seven kids, and my mom didn't work. My dad was a truck driver. Um, that was, uh, so, you know, one of the things we hear a lot about is, oh my God, it takes two incomes now. You've got to make this much money. Well, the average house size is also now like 3,000 square feet, not 1,200. There's usually two or three cars. Kids get cars when they turn 16. And I did too, but, you know, I most of my cars were junk and I worked for myself and then fixed them up. I wasn't, I, you know, there are 16-year-old kids today that have cars with car payments, which that's a whole nother story. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, everybody in the family now has a phone plan. We've got multiple streaming Internet services and multiple streaming video and entertainment services. And, and we spend a lot more money than we ever used to spend. So it's not just inflation. It's that we want a lot more than, you know, what we had. I, I grew up in a house in the Midwest with no air conditioning. And if you don't have air conditioning, your utility bills are a lot less. Likewise, we had no air conditioning and we didn't have air conditioning in a car. Right. Well, we had one in a car that we had bought used, but it didn't work. But to have a working air conditioner, we were almost into the 80s. Yeah. You didn't have power windows. Uh, well, I remember my parents' car when I was young. You know, it was a Ford Falcon with a six-cylinder and three on the tree and no power steering. Exactly. I mean, that was so that this idea that it costs so much more to live now, uh, of course, some of that is inflation, but a bunch of it is just we have a much higher standard of living and we want so many more things and they all cost money. So... Well, how many people are willing to go back and live the way the average family lived in the sixties? Well, when you go down to that, I've been to the Biltmore house, which was the Vanderbilt. I don't know if you've ever been to that Nashville. If you haven't, it's worthwhile trip. Now, granted, our, the house wasn't that big, nor is anybody's yet. I think it's still the largest residence, but, when you look at the things we have in our home now, we're living like the Vanderbilt. Well, actually better. Did it uh, in a lot of, of ways. It, it, yeah. Well, they had a bowling alley in their house. I never got that far, but, but, but it, relatively it, speaking, yes. They, I mean, when you, you look at everything of where it is, there's a cost to that. And well, me and my first wife, she managed to, we had to stay home and we started a business and had a child at home and it can be done on one income yet. You're just it, not going to have a, we didn't have any cable TV though. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can. It's, we had one car. Right. Yeah. You know, my, 
I, I remember, and I was the youngest of seven. So by the time I came along, my parents were, you know, certainly older, but I was 16 and remember the youngest of seven, but I was 16 before my parents got their first new car ever. That was that was a big thing, getting a new car. That's not something that happened a lot in my house. Well, yeah, and and then when you did get one, well, I look at my grandfather from, I was born in 63, and the whole lifetime I knew him, and he died, oh gosh, it was in the mid-90s, and... He had two cars during that time, a 63 Galaxy 500 and then a 73 Galaxy 500 for all them years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With yeah, a second grade education so, and the man never had a mortgage. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Well, that, that house I described that I grew up in, um, my parents paid $25,000 for it. So... Now you can't get the used car for $25,000. So things have, have changed a little bit. I want to go back. You started off talking about population. Um, we've only touched on this book a little bit on the show. I was talking about it quite a bit. The, the book by Peter Zihin, um, The End of the World is Just the Beginning. And the premise behind the book is so bizarre because our whole life, you and I have heard that the world's overpopulated, the earth is going to collapse, it can't support all these people, um, which is kind of bizarre if you're a truck driver because you drive all over the country thinking there's an awful lot of space left. Why are people piled on top of each other in New York City? Or why are so many in Los Angeles and there is a lot of land left? There's a lot of resources. And now this book actually makes the argument that because of population decline, we our standard of living is going to go down. We need more people, not less. That we now have created an economy that's so complicated, we don't have enough people to keep our economies moving. Interesting. It's a, it really is an interesting concept. And if you look... Um, there are countries now, Japan is going backwards rapidly. I think they had twice as many more people die um, in a year recently as born. And it's happening all over the world. Very few places are seeing population growth. And they're actually saying it's a bad thing. We, we need more people. Well, you'd think he'd want it at least steady. Right. Yeah, least. yeah, you wouldn't think you'd be able to go backwards. And here's the problem with that. And we here's something else we've heard our whole life, if you've been paying attention. Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. It, it is. that That's pretty easy to prove yeah, with the numbers. Was. Yes, it's, it's always been a Ponzi scheme. It's just allowed because it's a government Ponzi scheme. And it requires new money coming into the system all the time. Now, why it requires new money is a big problem too. We should talk about that. 
you and I have both paid a lot of money into the social security system in our lifetime. We're the same age. We've paid a lot of money in it. Just forget everybody else. If, if my money would have been invested reasonably well, I'm not talking about anything crazy. There should be more there than I would need in retirement. And I should have access to it all right now. But with Social Security, I don't have access to it. I I have to wait and they give me a little bit each month. And if I die, for the most part, it just disappears. Uh, It's a horrible system to begin with, but it requires new money constantly. And if our population keeps shrinking, Social Security will collapse. Well, Kevin, go into how it got started to begin with, which was to help out the people that lost everything during the Depression. The first people to get Social Security didn't really pay in. Yeah, right. So yeah. the money me and you paid in was never for us. It was for the people that were already retired. Yeah, it's been we've been behind the eight ball on this program from day one. From day one. So uh, people like my grandfather who didn't lose everything in the Depression. Matter of fact, he paid off a few of his brother's houses, and he bought his own house twice. Once because his future mother-in-law was going to lose it. Then he bought it off her again, which (laughs) wasn't bad for a machinist with a second-grade education, right? Yeah. But it's like he he hardly ever paid anything into it, and he got to collect for a lot of years on it. But the first people that got it hadn't paid in. Right. So by default, it was set up to go upside down to begin with. And like every other government program, it never goes away. And that's what a lot of people, they said uh, to me on the premise of how it got started. So many people, well, I paid into it all these years. It's my money. Nope. That was never your money. It was paying for the people that are already retired. It's the next generation that pays for you. Correct. And as those generations get smaller, we've got a problem. The math isn't working anymore, and we will require each new generation to pay more and more into that system. So they get tired of it. (laughs) Then they'll vote somebody that will change it and it'll be gone. (laughs) Yeah, and then what? I mean, we we could certainly come up with far better systems. I, I just don't believe the government is should be in the business of, you know, telling us how to live, even if they claim it's for our own good. But the again, the bigger problem, people should take a look at their earning statements and see how much they've contributed to Social Security over their lifetime. Go use a retirement calculator, do a little math. And why isn't that money sitting there in an account waiting for me to take it out? If it was truly mine, if that's the way the system is designed, and it's not, people think that it is, but if it was truly mine, why don't don't I just have the option? Like my 401k, all of my retirement accounts have a certain amount of money sitting in them. And anytime I want, I can go take that money out. It's mine. That's not how Social Security works. That's not your money. It's still the government's. They're just no. they're being nice and giving it to you every month. Well, there's a lot of things like that when you think about it, Kevin. I mean, like, 
for example, uh, we homeschooled my son. And I paid school taxes. Of course. Yeah. I paid, I paid both. When you bring that up, I've brought that up to people over the years. Um, they will tell you that's because that's for the good of society. We need to educate our, our children. I, I, yeah, okay. Um, I'm, that's okay then. We should definitely have school choice. If I have to pay in, even when I don't have children or after I have children, if that's the way the system works, when I do have children and I'm paying in, I should have the option to use that money wherever I want. And in your case, if you were homeschooled, you should be paid the same thing your your school got paid to educate that child. Yeah, it, it was amazing, actually, in the homeschooling. The homeschool prom was like three, four times the size of the high school prom. Yeah, I, you know, we're everybody seeing... formed a co-op and then what? what yeah. Go ahead. It, it was huge. When you get networked in that, it was it was absolutely everybody's like not enough socialization. No, it was way more socialization than yeah. when they had an event. It wasn't there was a lot of homeschool groups. Ours was pretty big. But when they did something bigger, a bunch of co-ops would go together. Right. And they rented right. out this huge place for the prom. I mean, it was big. You, you know, the good news is there's a huge movement towards homeschooling. It, the, the schools around the country are reporting students are just disappearing. They're, they're losing all these students. Unfortunately, they still get the money. Yeah. Yeah, those well, schools still get the money, even though they're losing all those students. That. Well, there was a couple of things. One, because... My wife had been home with my son and he was pretty well ahead of the curve when he got into school. And it was actually at the suggestion of his teacher. That's like, he's bored and he's way ahead of us and it's going to mess him up. Have you ever thought of homeschooling him? And it was really at the suggestion of the teacher. Yeah. Well, and when, it, when you did the assessment test, the homeschoolers were so far ahead of public school, like day and night. Yeah. It, yeah. There's there's no doubt, especially in today's world, the curriculum has become so bad in the schools that the kids being homeschooled are, are going to have a huge advantage. You know, I just thought about something I said, and I think it was somewhat incorrect, but it got me thinking. Um, I do believe schools are paid by the number of students they have. So if students drop out completely from the system, then maybe schools don't get paid then I wonder what happens to that money. If we have so many students now dropping out of the system and the, the schools aren't going to get that money, where does it go? Social security. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's, uh, I see, I see Joel's in the house. <laughs> let's go ahead and just, just bring him in. We might as well. Joel, good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing good. It's Friday. <laughs> that it is. Um, I'm running like crazy, though. I'm struggling to to get my load out to Denver, to hand off to another guy, to get back, to get down to Matt's. And, of course, nothing is going right, as you would expect. Um, I In a rental truck, because I, 
I, I have to do this handoff. There's 37 stops on this load, Ooh. and 30 <laughs> of them, 30 of them are west of Denver. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. Um, yeah, this is a this is a crazy one, but uh, we'll make it work. I got I'm going to be down at Matt's with Hotshot Secret folks, and and uh, so I've got to make this work. I got to get back one way or another. So hopefully I'll be flying out of Denver Monday night, Tuesday morning to to get back to Ohio. Got it. Got How it. about that, Joel? Both of us, both of our trucks are going to be in the building at night. Hey, there you go. Yeah, that is that's that's pretty cool. So yep. I, I was when just got to have yours cool. in. I got to move in Sunday. Uh, the twenty eighth is when they want me down there by, and that's that's all I honestly know at this point. We were supposed to have a couple of zoom meetings to discuss what was going on and everybody's been crazy busy so none of it's happened and uh, i'm just trying to uh, avoid the, the the cluster that this can all become if we're not careful here so yeah yeah i got mine gets moved into the north wing on the freightliners booth sunday that that far ahead i'm like wow yeah nice nice so, well, at least you know what your schedule is and you know what's going on. So that's a good thing. Yeah. No more Zoom meetings on it. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, there's this um, there's this theory about decision making and willpower. And the more decisions we have to make in a day, the the weaker our willpower becomes. We tend to make bad decisions later in the day and the more decisions we have to make. There's even a statistic that shows if you're ever up for parole, you want to make sure that your parole hearing is in the morning, not in the afternoon. Uh, they they can show it with statistics. They the people on the parole board. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> just in, just in case. Hopefully, you, I don't you, need to uh, use that. Right. You, Hopefully, you, I don't need you, to you, use you, that one. You never know. So, Steve Jobs. If you've ever seen the way he dresses, he dresses. He used to dress when he was alive. The same virtually every day. And his reasoning behind that, and there are other. CEOs that have done this is that it's one less decision that he has to make every day, what to wear. So he just, he has a wardrobe up front and it's the same and he just puts clothes on. He doesn't stop to think and they do it with breakfast and they just create these habits that just you, you do these things um, as a routine and you don't have to think about them. So the, the fewer decisions like that you have to make every day, the more willpower you have left over to make better decisions. Um, I'm, I think one of the, I, I like that idea. So I, I think I'm going to do that with the whole close. And I've decided with everything that's going on in the news, I, I'm just going to create a whole bunch of shirts with printing all over them that says, I told you so. And that's what I'm going to wear every day. I, 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 <laughs> I'm not even going to go down the road of COVID and the vaccine and, and all the things on that. But I, here's something I want to talk about that absolutely affects trucking. And many listeners are going to remember the first time I heard about AB5 in California I came out and said, there is a huge problem with this law and this attempt at writing this law. The 
California was going after the gig economy with this law because Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, Grubhub, Uber Eats, all these gig services were exploding and all of these people are treated as independent contractors. And California wanted to put a stop to that. So they wrote this law, AB5. And I said, there's a problem here, a big problem. The group they're going after, the gig workers, have the best argument. They are going to beat this law. And their argument was that you can argue all day long whether their employees are independent contractors. We say they're neither. They're our customers. They just use our software to run their business. They have nothing to do with us. And that is a really strong argument when you look at it. Well, guess what just happened? The gig economy they in California beat the law. Right? Beat the law. Yeah, <laughs> the, the California oh, yeah, just yeah. decided yeah. that the gig workers do not have to comply with AB5, that they are truly independent contractors, but not trucking, not owner operators. No, trucking. Well, you got a lot of I wondered, I'm, I'm not out in California, but what really exploits a lot of that is the home building business. I, I wonder how much of that with the contractors on all that independent contractors doing everything got you, caught up in that storm. You, you know, another big industry that uses a lot of independent contractors. Well, well, that too. I mean, we could go on and on and on. There are tons of them that do, but we'll, we'll use the, the nicer title, I guess. Exotic dancers. They actually have an exception in California. I don't know why, but they got an exception before the law was even passed. Okay. I wonder how they got that exception. <laughs> maybe, maybe they know a few politicians. Hey, Kevin, I, I, I know what you can do. I know what you can do. While you're, while you're doing naked gardening, you can think about how the exotic dancers got their exemption. Why you're figuring out what kind of printing to put on your clothes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the, the gig workers got the full... Full exemption from this rule. So answer me this. Really, in, re in reality, how is somebody who works for Lyft, they, they download an app to their phone, they open up that app, and it, it leads them to work that they can earn money with. That's what the app is doing. How is that any different if I lease my truck to Landstar? They have an app. I don't, all I have to do is open up the mm -hmm. app. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to interact with anybody. I just open up their app and I can find freight and I go pull it and I get paid. How is that different? Just more money involved. Yeah, it's, it, but it, it's not any different. <laughs> That's the same business model, the same right. setup. Why is one group exempt and the other isn't? The, the only thing no, you're, you're exactly right. difference would be you could be pulling Landstar's trailer, but that's about as far as you're going to go. Right. I, you know, I can do this with Uber. I can do it with Convoy. I can do it with C.H. Robinson. Everybody has an app now. I, I just download an app and start working. 
I think even strip clubs have apps now. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> I got to leave it alone. All right. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to let the two of you be the resident experts on this with the exotic dancing. <laughs> well, I only, I, I only know what I read. Let's just be clear here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe you should do some research. There you go. That's what I'm known for. I'm known for doing research. Right. You do real, real live research. I think. I think. Um, I think the wife would be pleased with that. What she? <laughs> She's call screening today. You know. Well, you should know. You should. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get a dial tone here in a second. That's right. Joel, Joel, where'd you uh, go? Yeah, exactly. Never to be seen again. Yeah. All right. So here, here's some trucking news I could actually get behind, uh, and and this is bipartisan. We have a Republican and a Democrat working on this, and I know it's been tried before. I, I wish they could get this done. Um, they're trying to drop the federal excise tax on new trucks again. I've never understood that whole tax. Yeah. What the hell's that all about? To discourage people from getting new trucks? Well, <laughs> so it, it, actually, if that's where we're going, let's think about that. Aren't we? Isn't the same government that's taxing us to, to discourage us from buying new trucks, pushing us to buy new trucks for better emissions? That's, you know, that's correct. And, and probably what you're going to see here in the future is they're going to drop it for certain trucks and keep it on other trucks. You know, they, they like to pick winners and losers. <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> probably point. how they're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> but I, I'm just, this is just a, a stupid tax to me. Where did this ever come from? Why did we just determine that we're going to punish people who want to buy a new truck? Was it? Wasn't this tax put in effect like for Bay of Pigs invasion or something, something stupid like right. that it way back when? Yeah, they had, to, they had to pay for it. So they yeah. said, okay, let's put this on. And it was, yeah. it was supposed to go away after a certain amount of time and never did, which surprise, surprise, right? Yeah, wasn't the... <laughs> One of these days... Wasn't the Ohio Turnpike paid for about 50 years ago and that ta that was supposed to go away too? Yeah, it was it was depressing. I'm in a rental truck and I jump on the Ohio Turnpike midway through, and I ran all the way across Indiana and just that short section. And I was light, you know. I had maybe ten thousand pounds in the trailer. It was a hundred bucks to uh, run yeah. across there. I was like, I you know. gotta be kidding me! Yeah, Gosh. yeah. That's you know, crazy. and you get an you get your little toll thing on the on the window. You don't really think about it. <laughs> you, know, you just go and and uh, when you gotta when you gotta hand that cash over, that starts to hurt. <laughs> what is it, speaking of that? What does it cost to to travel across Pennsylvania on the turnpike these days? Uh, I, I don't know. It's probably three hundred. I think I, now. I was gonna say. I think yeah, I think they <laughs> give you the option for a quick mortgage on the house at exactly. the end. I believe. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. nuts. You, you get to you get to make this in two hundred and forty easy payments. Yeah, right there you go. There you go. <laughs> what I've thought on this for a long time, Kevin, is get rid of all these F. FBTs and all five fifties and all, all that carrying on and jack the fuel tax up to where it needs to be. Cause that hasn't gone up in ages. 
pay for our highways. I have no problem with that. But it's like so, a little here. We're going to hey, get I, some off your trail. We're going to get I some got, off your tires. We're going to get some off your truck. We're going to do it on I, everywhere. I agree, no. but I have to correct you. Um, now I just forgot what I was going to correct you on. I was uh, I was thinking about agreeing. Oh, I know. Um, we can't. We got to drop the current fuel tax scheme and just go to a straight mileage tax, which we should have done a long time ago. Um, so we no, 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 no. I do do. It, no, I do do good on fuel. No, no, no. Henry, Henry, Henry. No, 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 this no, is, no. The, Henry, wake, wake up. This is America. Easy, we, easy. We wake up. This is America. We punish people who do well. Don't ever forget that. That's right. That's right. That's right. Don't ever forget that. That's right. I just don't. You're evil and you cheated, and there's no other way you could have possibly done it unless you cheated somebody out of it, and you're lying, and you know we all we all hear this stuff every day. (laughs) What to me the good thing about the fuel tax, it puts an incentive on being fuel efficient. I I, isn't there already? I I would maybe. But isn't there already a big enough incentive? Look, if the incentive that already exists no. doesn't make you, you work get, I, <laughs> more efficient, you're right. not going to because of a tax. Because of a all tax, you, all right. you're going to do is bitch about the government <laughs> being crooked. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I, I, I'm betting you these SUVs would slow down if fuel got up near $10 a gallon. They might, and people do start going out and buying more fuel-efficient cars. It does happen. There are some trends that way. But then then we're back to that whole, I, I don't want the government picking winners and losers with taxes. We're trying to change our behavior with taxes. Yeah, I, I don't think tax strategy should encourage somebody to run a business the way a business should be run. Um, to say a fuel tax is going to encourage somebody to run their business properly. It's not going to happen. I I mean, you should be doing that anyway. And the thought of a a tax helping that situation, uh, it it sounds nice, but in reality, it ain't going to happen. It's just not. My brother sent me a, a little TikTok thing and I just, I could not believe this. So they had a, they had this guy, he's walking in front of this, great big old laid out Peterbilt. It was a beautiful truck. And it says, people tell me I should buy a Volvo because it gets eight miles a gallon. And it says something about <laughs> 3.5 miles a gallon with this truck. And the guy goes, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. And I'm like, mm, okay, whatever. Uh, so that, you know, it's emotion. It, a lot of this stuff is driven by emotion and it's really hard to deal with, with things when it's emotionally driven. Um, and, that's what we run into a lot of times. Hey, so hey. taxing, yeah, it's not going to change your emotions on this. I don't think. Hey, Joel, mm-hmm. you should go talk to your connections at Volvo. They should take that post and they should make that mm-hmm. their nationwide sales campaign. Uh, they should, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> fact, don't, uh, the fact I don't that disagree. they singled out Volvo is kind of interesting. Somebody told me I should buy a Volvo. They actually yep. singled out <laughs> yep. Volvo. If I was Volvo, I'd plaster yep. that everywhere. <laughs> yep, hey. They should grab that and run with it. 
Joe, I thank you for that. I used to take all that heat by myself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. So oh, that's good stuff, though. I mean, I mean, it means you're doing your job, right? That's right. All <laughs> that's right. It's right. Friday. We're we're uh, my my. I have ADHD today. My brain can't stay on one topic for more than a couple minutes. So we're going to jump around. Something we started talking about several years ago. We went through phases. You know, we talked about it a lot. Then we didn't. Then we something will happen and we'll talk about it. But honestly, it feels to me like we're talking about it less and less. And it's happening more and more. Um, remember that shirt? I told you so. Um Electric and <laughs> autonomous. We're, not, we're hardly talking about it mm-hmm. again. I'm not seeing all that many articles or headlines about it. It's kind of, you know, slipped under the radar again. There's a lot of it going on, a lot more than than what we know. Um, Too Simple and a couple other companies that have been running a lot of stuff. Um, Forward Air is starting autonomous service between Dallas and Atlanta. They're going to run trucks 24 hours a day, six days a week, um, autonomous. They will have drivers in the, in there as safety backup, but their fully autonomous trucks are going to be driving themselves. So one thing I learned at, at um, going to these truck shows and whatnot um, is afterwards when you're socializing if you stay sober and you let everybody else drink you hear a lot of things you probably probably oh yeah and um i'm gonna tell you uh maybe the industry truly isn't all that high on the electric truck thing um they have they very well know that this is going to be short local D regional stuff short regional stuff for quite some time and a lot of manufacturers have made the statement publicly that while we're going to end diesel engine development, that's probably not the case. Um, it's going to continue to go on behind the scenes. It's not sexy to talk about. Every single manufacturer is well aware that we are going to have diesel for quite some time yet. And uh, pretty, pretty eye-opening when you hear these guys talking um, and, you know, guys pretty high up the food chain talking about this subject. It, uh, it's great for out media. It makes them all green and everybody feels great about it. But the reality is, is that diesel is going to be around for quite a while. Well, Joe, on that, I, I think the, well, I refuse to call it by the acronym, but the internal combustion engines death, I think, has been prematurely reported upon. And it, what it mm-hmm. reminds me of, Back when I was getting my own truck and my own authority back back in the day, the mid-90s, I, I remember the statements coming out of the industry like crazy that the day of the independent owner-operator was over. Mm-hmm. Last I saw were the fastest-growing <laughs> segment every year. <laughs> but, but, but we're dead and we're gone, and you know our, our, our death right, was right. prematurely reported upon, too. So, right. Hey, Henry, you know, the other one you don't hear no more about is the the tire without air. Yeah, that one's been around for a while. That that one's been around about 20 years. (laughs) And you're right. There's that doesn't seem to be a whole lot going on with with that right now either. You know, it's interesting. Todd Amon, um, the founder of ATBS, and, and I worked pretty closely with Todd for a lot of years. 
I remember a time where there was all this reporting going on in the industry that the owner operator was dead and, and that model was going away. And Todd actually made the mistake of agreeing with it that year. And he'll tell you now he looks back and he doesn't know what the hell he was thinking because we've been through this many times. Oh my God, this happened. The, the owner operator is toast. It, it's, they're going to go away and we keep growing. So yeah, the the idea that the owner operator is going away, the only way that is going to happen or or change is because of AB5 type laws. I mean, it, the owner operator world changed in California now and the Department of Labor secretary, I forget her name, the the nominee right now, um at the federal level in the Biden administration is a big, big proponent of AB5 type laws. Well, I'm going farther than that when I said independent. I'm talking independent on your own authority. Yeah, well, that's great. That's what we'll we'll end up with. And I'll still still I'll still ask the question that everybody looks at me like I have three heads when I ask, but nobody seems to be able to give me a good answer. Why does the entire process of getting authority even exist? Yeah, well, that's a whole other question all of a sudden. It, it makes no sense anymore. Nobody else that wants to go into business has to go spend a bunch of money and pay the federal government to get permission to go into business. Why do we have to do that? How much does it cost now? It's been so many years since I did it. I know it wasn't very <laughs> too much, much at all. It costs it, it, it costs too much. <laughs> if it's a dollar, it's too much. Why why do I have to go uh, through I'm this process? <laughs> this it, it nobody else has to do this. If I want to open a restaurant, I don't have to get permission. There there isn't a world where some restaurants are operated under their own authority and other restaurants have to be leased to McDonald's. That that doesn't exist. Why does that <laughs> exist in trucking? Why can't I just don't, go well, into I guess, business? Don't they have to have their food license? Well, yeah, there's I'm not all, in the restaurant business. But. Well, there are all kinds of licenses, you know, local. We got to go get a tax license. I, I get that. Every business has to do that. But why on top of all that do we have this authority that has to be granted by the government? And once I have it, I'm treated different than I was when I had a truck, but had to lease it to a carrier. Why can't I just buy a truck and go move freight? Well, you know, as well as I do, it's the big carriers want to keep that, uh, that entry bar set kind of high that so everybody and their uncle's mother can't come in and it, right. it would, it would impact rates in a way that would just think about that for a second. Anybody that has a dime or a nickel that could get financed for a truck would have a truck out there. 90% of them are not going to know their numbers. It would destroy the rates and it would drive the legitimate carriers probably out of business. And then what the hell would you do? after the rates so, collapse and you've got all these people that don't know what they're doing. So that, that is a consideration anyway. I don't know if it justifies it, but I, I would, to think about. I would agree with you. The rates are going to tank. It's going to be ugly until we get through it all. But I'm still waiting for somebody to explain to me how that's any different from any other industry. 
and and uh, look well, at well it, it look at there, it. There, Henry did there's a didn't I hear once didn't you have a landscape company was that you I don't know why I'm thinking that no I don't know why that no, thought well, just popped into my head I did until I was fifteen I mowed yards yeah so, that's, I my so I don't, uh, but, but look, <laughs> look at an industry like that. Like landscaping. Holy cow. Talk about cutthroat and, you know, driving rates down. I get it. It A free market, a true but, free market is a race to the bottom on rates. I, I get that. But there is no better system. Well, hold on one second. So landscaping, if it's a cutthroat market, nobody's going to starve to death if the landscaper doesn't show up. Nobody's going to die in a hospital if the landscaper doesn't show up. It's not a national security issue. It's, it, this is a, the transportation, uh, I'm a stable transportation market is, is fundamental. Hey, yeah, we're, we're probably going to disagree there because I, you know, you see this, when the economy gets good and rates get really good hey. at the beginning of an up market where everybody gets in and it starts to drive rates back down. And of course that's the cyclical so, nature of things. But if we removed all regulation and all bars, you know, entries to get minute. in, wait, 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 um, wait, stop. I, I, stop. I didn't mm-hmm. say remove all regulations. Never said that. We have a thousand well, no, regulations. No, no, that still no, exist. I, I, no, I, I'm talking. Why do we I'm, I'm just have talking about the authority? Together, why do we have a different bar? Why do, why do, so you could claim that it's a national, there are lots of other industries that are just as critical. And here's the thing, no matter what happens to rates, no matter how bad they collapse, somebody has to move the freight to keep our economy going. Somebody will move the freight and they'll get paid the amount they need. We'll have, it, it will be chaos to make that transition, but we should have never had to make the transition anyway. We should have never uh, had this kind of regulation. That, that, that part I agree with. We should have never had it, but it will be absolute chaos on that transition. And I, do you make it through? Well, here's, I mean, here's, that's, that's, here's, a, what that's gonna, here's what we're It's going to be a big, big, big deal there. If we mm-hmm. don't change it, here's what we're accepting. We're saying that our industry is so important, we want the most inept organization controlling it, the government. If it's that important, then I, we no, don't I, want I, them controlling it. <laughs> I, I, I hear what you're saying, but it goes back to the, the comment I think I made earlier, where when you have all these big carriers that have literally billions of dollars invested into their operations, and you're going to open up that market. Of, of course, they're going to go and lobby against that because it's going to it's going to break them. There's no doubt. If you just open this thing up and bring everybody into the marketplace, they're done. They're, they just the, are. The, 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 the segment of the trucking industry that it would absolutely decimate is the expediters. My God, everybody would have used Correct. U-Haul is going to be an, would be an expediter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. Well, I, I'm but, not, like you, Kevin, I don't think I'm in favor of regulation, but if you are going to get rid of that, you're going to have to really think about the process to get rid of that so it's an orderly transition. You couldn't I, I just agree with wake up one day and right. say, okay, I, it's gone. I agree. So with yeah, that. I, I think we're on the same page there then. Yeah. And let's, let's draw another if parallel they get rid with of what, it, they what we were start talking out about just making earlier. It the- Let, let's think about this gig economy 
where we have, we're getting into cars with strangers, we're having strangers deliver directly to our homes and almost zero mm-hmm. regulation. And now even California is saying, mm-hmm. yep, you're not even subject to AB5. I, I, <laughs> it, it's, and they're operating on roads with the rest of us in a vehicle. We, we could make all kinds of arguments that they have just as much or, or more um, risk and, and they create more risk in our society. And yet we're, we're looking at them and saying, all you have to do, some 18 year old, all you have to do is open up your app and in 30 seconds you're in business. <laughs> I like that. That's how business yeah, I, should I, be. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you, um, but we do have an existing um, format, so to speak, uh, existing regulations and laws. And all the people that jump through those hoops to get started, then they're going to be bitching. This ain't fair that we spent all this money and done all these things to get started. And now you're going to pull the rug out from underneath us and destabilize the whole system. I mean, I just think it like in my brother's case, I'm sure he would be like, that's bullshit. You know, I, I spent all this time money to do everything right. And now you're going to pull it out from underneath me. Um, so well, yeah, I did, that's, that's a hard one. It really is. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll expand upon that. If they do that, as Kevin suggested, the first one to not need their authority should have to be me. Then Joel, then your brother. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. It's kind of like you, Joel. Yeah, to throw that in there. You're a hell of a guy, man. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it's kind of like the emissions. When, when we were doing kind of glider kits, the sidestep emissions, the fleets that were investing the money and, you know, they were doing what the government initially was saying to do. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden now we're building trucks and little factories without emissions, essentially. And there was, you know, a, a big fight about that. And rightfully yeah. so the, the people that invested the money, um, you know, we done it very early on. We embraced the technology. We sunk a ton of money into this and it was scary as hell at the beginning. You know, we figured this is going to make us or break us. And, um, you know, sending guys to school to get trained and, and uh, literally thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And then, you know, here comes the guy with a glider kit so, saying, you know, huh, you're stupid. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> absolutely. It's, that's a uh, hard you know, one to I deal was, with. I, yep. I was one of the guys helping people build gliders to, to get around this. It, we could, we could at least make an argument that, even though it wasn't handled right, we could have done it better. There is a good reason to move towards cleaner trucks. I, I have never been against sure. clean trucks ever or clean vehicles. I, I am all for this. I don't want to be breathing that air. I don't want that stuff polluting our entire environment. So we could have done the emissions things better, but at least there's a, a, a reasonable conclusion why, why we're doing this. There's a benefit. The, the whole authority thing, there's no mm-hmm. benefit to that system. It makes no sense. No, you're not wrong. It's, it's just that it's been that way for so long. So many people are invested into it. And then what do you do with those people that have played by the rules and done what you're supposed to do? It's, that's, a, that's a kick in the ass, no doubt, if you pull that well, regulation well, away without an orderly transformation that 
that works for everybody. What so would, I, what they would I, need I, to do, Joel, is mm-hmm. refund everybody's money back that they invested in the be their authority. And then are you talking about trucking reparations, Henry? Come on now. <laughs> And, and, then, and then they can put it back into Social Security because that's there. So where we need to. Show are it. we gonna Are we gonna call this the 1980 project? <laughs> <laughs> so <not>? the, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All there right. you go. It, 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 it's Friday. We're getting too serious, so we, we need to move along. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm also gonna say that a lot of times on Friday we don't get calls until we ask for them. So. Um, jump in and join us. It's a free for all. We're going to start taking some calls. Phone lines are wide open. 855-950-3835. You know, we've, we've talked about um, population and how um, we're actually now talking about the populations declining so fast that our world's going to change because there's not enough people. They've been telling us that there are too many people and we have all these um, technologies that are replacing people. AI is is really, uh, I've been thinking and reading a lot about AI. That is a scary topic right now. But I'm also looking at, at this, and it's becoming a trend. I've seen a lot of videos. Um, Lowe's is using 400-pound robots to patrol parking lots. So this whole robot, you know, autonomous, you know, drivers worry about autonomous technology, but this this type of technology is replacing a lot of people in a lot of jobs. There's there's a lot that's going to go wrong with this. Why? Why is it just me? I I hate to even admit this, but when you see one of these robots running around the parking lot, don't you want to mess with them for some reason? Is it just me? (laughs) No. What is that? Uh, uh I'm not, you know, I'm not. I've heard of straight, I've heard of some weird fetishes, but. Go into more detail. First, first it was the strip club. Now, now I put a robot. You know, I'm not. I'm not like a real troublemaker. I'm not like a criminal. You know, I'm not big on. I'm not big on a lot we of all, rules. Kevin, what? Kevin, we. You are a troublemaker. <laughs> trust me. Yeah, you know you can say you're not, but come on. Well, not, not like really serious trouble. You know, I'm not like a criminal. I'm not trying to screw everybody. Or, but but I, I don't know what it is. When I see these robots, I start thinking about how can I mess with that thing. I, I so I have to believe other people think that way too. I think there's going to be issues with these things. <laughs> You're going out trying to trip the robot at Walmart. Something, you know, like, I don't know what it is. Wow. I can just see the Kevin and the robot on the Dr. Phil show. <laughs> Kevin's going to be the guy that gets that gets in front of an autonomous truck and slows down to 10 mile an hour on the freeway. Just to see what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I have to believe other people think this way. I, I don't doubt. Hey, just real quick on a, on a more serious note here before I forget. Um, and I, you know, I, I want to kind of give a shout out to you and the Henry and to, 
you know, everybody else that has kind of been in this fuel efficiency game and we all push, push each other and, and, you know, we all strive to get better and better. And when we were down at TMC, we got a couple of awards for the, for the iTorque. We got the technical achievement award for the year and on the top 20 product of the year, um, for the iTorque. And, and I'll tell you that would never happen without guys like, you know, Henry pushing me and me pushing him, we get better. Competition is a great thing. And here's a prime example. And, you know, I know Kevin, that you played with a very similar concept for years and years, and we've kind of watched each other and we steal pieces, parts from each other. And we were finally able to put something together and it was nice to be recognized. Um, by the industry, by the writers in the industry for technical achievement and an idea that, you know, we all three have been working on for years, you know, this is nothing new to us and it's finally being recognized out in the industry. So, uh, you know, just a shout out to everybody that's, you know, kind of been working on this whole downsped thing. Um, and you know, really we've all been pushing each other on the fuel efficiency thing. And, uh, it it was just pretty cool to see happen, uh, after years and years of working on this, it's finally being taken seriously in the industry. So I thought that was a great thing. That is, that's, that's very cool. I'd love to see that. that. Yes. All right. So I asked for some calls. They're starting to come in. Let's uh, go ahead, Joel, finish up there. But I just going to say, you know, this isn't something that, I alone could have ever done. Um, it, it did take guys like, like you and Henry pushing me. Um, and, and you know, the competition is great. Had a hell of an engineering staff working behind me on a, on a regular basis. So by no means was this, this all me. I mean, I, I know I was an advocate for it, but there was a hell of a team and just in general, our community as a whole, the people that listen to the show, um, you know, everybody pushing on each other to get better is what really um, achieve these types of results. Hey, 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 Joel, I couldn't agree with you more about how powerful competition is and how we all push each other and we make each other better. That's why we should just get rid of that whole authority thing. More competition is always gotcha. good. It's always gotcha. a good gotcha. thing. And we circle back around. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is awesome, though. But but you're you're right. Imagine you know. Here's the type of stuff I'm against. I, I am actually against the government pushing fuel mileage standards. And you could say, well, it worked. They're going up. It's it's happening. I, I don't care even if you could prove to me it worked. I, I, I could make the argument that if the government would have stayed out of it, it would have gotten better anyway. The free market would have done this on its own because there's enough incentive here. The difference is when it's forced by the government, we now have people benefiting from that that shouldn't be. They, it, like you just said, an awful lot of people have spent their career focused on this because we knew it was so important and that gave us an advantage and yet there are a whole bunch of other people that are just kind of forced into these things and they get that same advantage that to me is what messes up business what do you think about kevin since there's a mixed up one here because i don't think the industry would have done it a hundred percent on its own but the crash standards that they instituted into cars Nobody was really pushing for it. Yeah, yeah, that's where I am too. Right, that's (laughs) it. 
But you're still allowed to ride a motorcycle, so I don't see well, why you have to have a seatbelt <laughs> car. Well, that's the other crazy thing. We have states that have seatbelt laws, but not helmet laws. I, come on. How do you make any sense out of that? And I'm okay, I, I, dropping, I probably, I, I'm okay dropping all of those kinds of laws. If I don't want to wear a helmet, I shouldn't have to wear a helmet. And don't tell me it's dangerous to somebody else. It's not. It's only dangerous to me. So I, I, I don't like laws that protect me from myself. One thing about it, if the federal government wasn't so inept in most cases, a hell of a lot of podcasters would be out of work. We'd all be looking for a job. Right? So I guess it's, it's not all bad, right? That's, that's for sure. It, it keeps a lot of people busy. That's right. You know, on that road, on that road you were at, because I know growing up that I had going to horse shows well over a hundred thousand miles on the back of a pickup in the bed. Oh yeah, and yeah. You're not allowed to do that anymore, but you can put you a know, kid on the back of a motorcycle. You know something else yep. I used to do. <laughs> you know something else I used to do a lot of, and I, I, I'm sure I was doing it when I was 15 and didn't have a license because I started driving when I was 14 without a license, but. I, we used to tow cars around all the time with chains. That was like oh, yeah. a really yeah. common thing yeah, yeah, for us. I was yeah. always towing a car <laughs> yeah. around uh-huh. with a chain. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and hopefully tow, towed it with chains and the car you were towing hopefully had brakes. We, yeah, right. we brought one back yeah, right. and pulled it out of the junkyard for parts. <laughs> And the only brakes that worked were the emergency brakes. That was oh, that, that, that. That's a, yeah. That's a little bit of a crazy ride. All right, let's uh, let's find out what the callers want to add. Today. Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> twenty miles to the junkyard. That's all. Herschel, welcome. Hello. What's on your mind today? Oh, come on, telephone. Hello, Herschel. We can hear you. He, he's going to start swearing. Oh, okay. at, he's right. he's right. going to start swearing at his phone, and he doesn't know we can hear him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that happens on the regular. Um, you guys talking about the federal government reminds me of the quote from Ronald Reagan: "I am from the government, and I am here to help you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> no thanks. So, Kevin, since so this is take Kevin to task day now okay since you're getting busted up on this authority i got one for you all right i have never heard negative about it but this is a move that i think was a bad idea michelin always before they had the rolling resistant chart and there was all types of numbers and then you mentioned yesterday that about the super single and they did the comparison. So let's say I have a Bridgestone 721EL. Well, I want to find out what tire's better. I then have to search two, three hundred different tires against the one I have because I don't know for sure what numbers they have on which tire. I think it was much better when it was a number. You could look at the list and the one that says 80 is better than all the rest that was 80 and above. I all think right, that so, was a bad idea. That complicates it so 
So this was my idea, or I, I was a big part of the idea. When you work in groups like this, sometimes ideas just kind of spontaneously combust out of a, a you know, several people talking, and that's how we came to this. I was trying not, I believed the original system dumbed down the whole concept and people started getting confused because rolling resistance, that, that number was made up. It had to be, I mean, we, we had to create this representation of how a tire is harder to push down the road. And what Michelin did with their original chart was they just randomly took their most popular tire and said, this tire is 100 and will compare everything else to it. And nobody understood that. It, it, but you, it, you have to create some sort of a system to measure this. But the system really didn't make a lot of sense because they just chose this random tire. So you're right, it was an easier system, but it wasn't as powerful because, again, we dumbed down the system. I, I won't disagree with you at this point. I, I think it was a mistake. I don't think enough people caught on, and I don't think the website was laid out in a way that explained it well enough either. But I, I would, I still prefer the new system because I understand it, but I would probably agree with you that it didn't work all that well overall. Kevin, this is one thing that I always admired about the Michelin site was if a tire beats them, they listed beating. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they've never tried to hide the fact that they never tried to use this system to claim their tires were always better. They, it, you know, it's kind of like when um, oh, one of the insurance companies, I don't even remember who it was, Geico or somebody came out with the, you know, just check with us and we'll tell you what all the other insurance companies would charge you, even if it's less than what we would charge you. That was a brilliant marketing move. So one of the one of the things that I think why it's a good idea that we, we kind of get away from just having an initial rolling resistance number out there. And Goodyear came out with a, I don't know, six or eight page kind of a white paper on why just looking at initial rolling resistance is a bad idea instead of looking at efficiency of the tire over its lifetime. Some of the low rolling resistance tires have a very low initial rolling resistance, and then you get some of these tires that have a more moderate rolling resistance. And, and Goodyear had a bunch of these types of tires, and uh, Schneider and J.D. Hunt all ran Goodyear tires, and everybody was like, well, what the hell? You know, the rolling resistance, they must be giving them away. What they understood was that once these things wore in a little bit, they came to parity with the low rolling resistance tire, but the tire lasted much longer over its lifetime. So it gets very, very confusing. And Goodyear initially had opposed the EPAs wanting to mandate low rolling resistance tires because well, when they figured this out, you had to replace the tire more often. It offset any carbon gains on the fuel savings of, of the tire. And, um, the 
Right so we started, too. yeah, we started doing that. My brother did inside his fleet, and we started watching this very close. And it, it absolutely worked in our fleet. When you look at it cradle to grave and not just initial rolling resistance from a fleet perspective, you're much better off. Now, an owner-operator like me or Henry that's very careful with tires and you're very gentle with the truck, you can leverage that initial low rolling resistance benefits. So from that perspective, I think it's right for an owner operator, single truck, or even a small fleet to maybe look at that. But, you know, in the overall sense of it, it's, it, it wasn't really a fair way to look at it because it, you, you really need to look at it cradle to grave. And that's part of Absolutely. what we were trying to accomplish. And again, we were trying to make the system more powerful, but we ended up making it more complicated. Um, our mistake was we weren't able to simplify it to the point where everybody understood it. And it created a lot of confusion. It did right off the bat. Yes. It is not a simple topic to get your mind around. When you read that report that Goodyear put out, and Henry, you're exactly right. Bridgestone was fighting that fight. They took us down to their so, big test track down in Texas and we were a wide base fleet at the time, and they're saying here are why wide base tires only make sense in a weight sensitive application. And they had good uh, Michelin stuff down there, and they walk you through everything over the lifetime. And now, that's really when we started again looking back at duels harder, and then on the six by two thing. Well, you know the history on it, but uh, so now um, let's, let's, there's a lot to that. Let's mm -hmm. wrap in why well, the, the, I try to keep as much away from the government as I possibly can. Um, do you know how the EPA program worked on tires, how they got the approval, what was required for a tire to be smart way approved? Smart way. It just it didn't have to just improve over a version of what already existed of that it, tire. It didn't no, have to meet any no, real even, standard. It, it was worse than that. It, 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 there okay. was a standard. The way you just said it actually would have been a huge improvement. You have to improve over your current tire. Each tire you have to improve by so much. That, that would have been far better. The way that program worked and still works, I believe, is that they chose the most popular tire, the best-selling tire in each category, and you had to be 10% okay. better. I, what? Okay. Yeah. I, I got you. I, it was just the most popular, the best-selling tire in each category. You just had to be 10% better. Wow. How ignorant. Well, it's funny when you bring that up, like the, the old Bridgestone 726EL with a full inch of tread. Correct. Terrible at the beginning. But it was a very but popular you know what? tire. As as, and as soon as it wears down, it becomes a fuel efficient it, tire. You know, you know what? A long time. That's exactly right. That's what my brother runs, a bunch of those, and everybody shakes their head. Well, I thought you were all about fuel efficiency. Yeah, for the first six months, you get your ass kicked, but they last 500,000 miles. They do. And once they yeah. wear in, there is, no, there is no difference in fuel efficiency between that and the lowest rolling resistance tire out there once they wear in. They're very, very similar. So, um, 
you, I, you know, I hate it myself personally because I hate getting dinged that first six months. But I get it from where he's coming from in a fleet when you don't have to change tires every, right. you know, 200 or 250,000 miles and the fuel efficiency wears in and you don't get any traction complaints from a driver. I, I get it. Hey, hey Joel, you same, have a you've same, had a same way. That's what, a, that's what seat for this your whole life isn't it crazy how in this industry it's so different the way you would run a one truck operation efficiently it, it, it is what you do with it a hundred trucks. yeah <laughs> well i was i was gonna call i was gonna call you and bruce the other day when you were talking about how hard it was to get a fleet to to run catalyst in their in their trucks and you know unless you've been in that position you, here's the thing so you got a fleet of 300 trucks and and you put individual doses like bruce was talking about it's a nightmare 200 of those drivers <laughs> 200 of those drivers are going to sell it at the truck stop it's a nightmare it's never going to no, make I'm it in the truck you know I, I that's, know, yeah, that's exactly right yeah. and and then you got the labor to fill it and it's just it, it you're absolutely right and you just you don't have time to create problems that you're going to have to babysit. That's just the bottom line. So we've talked about this more than once. Bigger fleets become an economy of scale operation. Our advantage of a, as a small fleet or an owner operator is always efficiency. We should never try to really mimic what they're doing and they shouldn't try to mimic what we're doing. It is, it is completely different. And I'll tell you, I do not like fleet operations. I hate it I because it's either. all about That's accounting right. and, and, <laughs> and human resources. It, That's it, what it's all about. And it's a race to the bottom. It, it, mm. it's, it's, it, it, that being it, it said, is. Joel, I mm-hmm. would say a large portion of owner-operators and independent owner-operators could learn a lot more from the fleets than the fleets could learn from them. Because I remember oh, that when I was getting started, everybody thought that there was no operators couldn't believe that I was getting a truck without doctor's office trash cans hanging on the side of the hood. Right. 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 That I didn't want trash cans hanging on the side of my hood and door pipes next to my doors. They, they, mm-hmm. they just couldn't comprehend that. And a lot of what I looked at truck wise, I looked at what the successful fleets were doing, which is why back then when, it was a whole different color engine that I, I wanted mm-hmm. a green engine then and, mm-hmm. and, and the freight liner that I got and the, all, all my friends were way behind me on the mileage. So, you know, the fleet pay attention to stuff too. It's Friday. What was that? It's Friday. It's time to change topics. <laughs> All right. So wow. Here's, here, here's another one. So I, I see this post the other day on social media. And no, actually, I think I read an article. Somebody actually wrote about this. That's right. Somebody wrote about it. And they started talking about this group that just recently got started on Facebook and how they got up to 23,000 people already. And, um, you know, I've got an awful lot of experience with social media. A lot of these groups that get big, they're buying members. 
that it's really easy to do on mm-hmm. social media. You can crank your numbers up on a group and they do it because like this article was written, these media outlets go out and look for these groups when they have a topic. And so they mm-hmm. were interviewing this guy and their premise behind this group. Here's what they do. They identify a broker, usually large brokerages, that they don't like their rates. And then they they use their membership to boycott that specific broker. Like (laughs) this is the broker we're going to boycott today until they get their rates up. I I thought my head was going to explode when I read this. Let's just think about this. Let's just think about this. There's a business that you think about doing business with, this brokerage. You don't have to do business (laughs) with them. There's lots of brokerages out there. You could go get your own freight. You don't even have to have a broker. But you're looking at them saying, They suck as a business. They're screwing us. They're criminals. They're keeping too much money. Let's boycott them until they raise their rates and then we'll go work with them. What? Why not just, why boycott them? Why not just not work for them? Exactly. So I've got five or six different load boards that I work off of. Okay. And you you run through the load boards and you're looking at rates. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks. I don't need to get on Facebook and say boycott this guy. This guy. Oh, but this guy's good because it works today. Because tomorrow that guy could have a ten a ten dollar mile load. Which which one of these groups was saying? Oh, Schneider. They're they're the horrible. They're the worst load board out there. Last week, I just I needed to run some local stuff. I had some time to kill. I picked up three local loads that ran around Ohio. One was for 10 bucks a mile. One was for six and one was for eight. Oh, I can live with that. (laughs) I'm okay with that. You know, I, I I had a a $900 day, you know, it's not, you're not going to get filthy stinking rich, but you know, there, there was nothing wrong with that. And honestly, I don't care how much they kept as long as it's what I needed for my operation. And if they made a ton of money off it, more power to them. You know, I I don't care. The the point of when I look at this and I look at this group, you know, became 23,000 people in in no time. And what this what a post like this tells me, what mentality like this tells me, they have zero clue how business works. They really believe they talk about it. They believe that the big brokerages are controlling the rates. And that's just... Oh, yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. But it's a great resource for a bankruptcy attorney, I bet. (laughs) He's got 23,000 potential clients going on there. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's a marketing (laughs) opportunity. You know, and the whole premise, I've never understood that. Like, in my case, I haven't used a broker or a load board in over 15 years. That's what I mean. It's it's not necessary. If you want to use one, there are good reasons to use freight brokers. Freight brokers exist for a good reason, but it doesn't mean you have to use them. 
and, and especially if you're going to complain about it every day and it's going to raise hey, your blood pressure, hey, let walk me, away <laughs> from that. Let, let, let me tell you what raises my blood pressure, since we're talking about it. Somebody who's bitching about brokers and all the money they're stealing and then using a dispatch service. <laughs> oh boy right uh, jesus you just yeah. you just volunteered to give somebody else a piece of your profit well you know load boards they are what they are do you see crappy rates on loads out there absolutely you do but you just you don't take it you don't bitch about it. You don't complain about it. You look at it and go, well, that, this doesn't work for me. But, Move on to the next one. No, but what, what happens, I think, a lot of times is guys get trapped and they only want to run certain lanes. And then when rates collapse in a certain lane, they don't want to be flexible and say, oh, look, I could make $8 a mile going this way, but I don't want to go that way. You're screwing me by only giving me $1.50 on this particular lane. And that's, I think yeah. that's what a lot of the problem is. If you're flexible, you can go out and find some really good stuff on the load boards if you just look. You know, I talked about this the other day. When, when rates are good and things are going well and you've got your expenses under control, um, I am all for, as a business owner, being really, really picky about what I do. That that's part of why I, I've sacrificed sure. my whole life sure. to be a business owner, to be an entrepreneur, because I get to make some decisions. And it's not always about the bottom line. I, I may want a different lifestyle. I get to do something different now. It's my business. I've sacrificed. I've worked hard. I get to make those decisions. But I also said at the very same time, when things get tough, no matter how good my bank accounts look, when things get tough, I change that mentality. I start thinking like, what do I have to do to make my customers happy to make sure I stay in business? Right, right. And, and you, try to, you try to think ahead. I mean, this is, this is uh, kind of the whole thing when you're looking at uh, spot market versus contract freight. So when the spot market goes way high and you're you're locked into contract freight like my brother is and you're watching the spot market just go to the moon, you're thinking, man, I want to jump out of this contract right. stuff and go start. Oh. And a lot of guys do. But it always kicks your ass in the end because that spot market is going to collapse and the, the contract yep. rates move, but nothing near like spot market moves. So, you know, you just kind of, we've learned over the years, and my brother has in his situation, that you just sit back and wait watch all these guys jump out of the, the contract over to the spot market side. And then when it turns, they're done. And you just picked up all kinds of market share. And, and so you, you kind of learn how to read the market ups and downs. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about it, but you know, the thing about working load boards and, you know, I, I've just been back on the owner operator side of things for just a very short time. And I, we've got brokers that, you know, we've hauled loads for already. Um, we're very diligent about updating our locations, our times and doing all the things that they want us to do. You know, now they're just constantly calling the saying on the board and we need this moved and you know, here's the rate for it. And they're throwing stuff at you and the rates are, are very, very good on some of this stuff. 
But I guarantee if you're out on Facebook running them into the ground, you're not going to get that phone call. <laughs> it's not going to happen. No. no. Yeah, so let, instead just, of them being your enemy, work with these people. No, let, Jeez, let's, oh, get, let's get 23,000 other owner-operators to boycott them and talk shit about them until they raise their rates, yeah. then we'll yeah, go work yeah. with them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't want them. I don't want them talking about me. I'm going to raise my rates a dollar. It's not going to happen. You're dreaming. Jeez, oh, Pete. How many trucks are on the road, and you think twenty three thousand of them are going to make and, a and, dent in that? They're just giggling at that. And let's be real. Out of those twenty three thousand, maybe about a hundred of them were even in place to take that load anyway. No, that, that's exactly right. All you really done was made it real easy to get put on a blacklist. Yes. That's all you done right. by getting into a group like that. That's and, all you done and, was and, just blacklisted well, yourself. And instead of and deservedly instead of two, put onto that blacklist, two groups who could be helping each other so much, and yet we want to create these fights and conflicts all the time instead. Uh, yeah, it's it's nuts. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that. In fact, I got several people wanting me to join that group. I'm thinking, are you freaking kidding me? That's like that's like putting a gun to your head and pulling the trigger. I mean, come I on, you can't do that. Uh, uh, every time somebody complains to me about brokers, I always tell them, "Don't use them." Well, they, they have <laughs> you, to. I said, "I haven't." Nah, you don't have if you to. Don't, like no. them, don't use them. <laughs> And, and I'm like your brother. Oh, my gosh. Contract rates have always been good to me. But, boy, when spot's hot, oh, it drives you crazy. It does. You, you're like, but, yeah, you got to you gotta know and understand that that, that market's going to move. It's not going to stay there forever. And especially you get the guy that, oh, I made $15 a mile on this, and I'm the greatest. Yeah, okay, oh, yeah. so you got... You got one or two loads where you made some money. How's that look over five or seven years? You know, it's just like, come on. (laughs) I've been at it long enough that I know the rug's going to come out from under them. (laughs) And then they're always calling me. How do you get them long-term contracts like you do? I tell them, remember when spot market was really busy? They said, yeah, then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you how you don't do it. You don't get on Facebook and bitch about it. (laughs) So that's probably the first thing you don't do. I, geez, oh, yeah. Pete, you're, it, it's a business. It's not, I, I guess if you're out here for the lifestyle, then this is what you do. If you're out here uh, operating a business, you just kind of stay away from all that stuff. So I, I was just reading through some of my articles that I had bookmarked. Just, I was going to jump uh, topics again. I, I'm reading this article and I'm going to have to dig into these numbers because they got them from ATBS, but a couple things I don't, doesn't look right. So let, let's make a, a comparison about how crazy this world has become. We're talking about rates and freight and, you know, there have been several articles. ATBS was reporting that 2022, on average, owner-operators lost money compared to 2021. They actually had, it, it had gone backwards. Their net profits had dropped um, in 2022, we saw the opposite of that. And, and Joel, maybe this is a, all the people that we're talking to and checking numbers. Uh, Matt was a big one. Matt, you know, moves a lot of his own freight. It's not brokered kind of stuff. Um, they had better mm-hmm. years. 2022 was record setting for a lot of people we talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Matt, with the, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this. One truck, one driver grossed near half a million dollars and took home mm-hmm. significantly over 200000 That's incredible mm-hmm. to me. I mean, that is just insane. Mm-hmm. Now, listen to this paragraph. This is from Avery Weiss, who I, I've known Avery a long time. Um, and this data oh, yeah, came Avery. from ATBS. It says... What we found was quite dramatic, Vice said. A one-truck dry-van operation after expenses should have been clearing six figures before taxes. I agree with that. That means one owner-driver in a dry-van should be able to take home more than 100000 is what we're saying. But by the time we got to December of 2022... With the increase in diesel cost, that number had dropped to below forty thousand. That is that a misprint? Mm. Mm. Sounds like it. That is that can't be right. There's no way. It, I, I would love to know how they arrived at that. I, that gonna, doesn't, it doesn't sound right. But I, I'm yeah. going to dig into that. I may even reach out to Avery and see. I'm going to read the, I I didn't get a chance to read this. I was just scrolling through it real quick, but I'm going to read through and see if I can figure out there. There's no way that number could be right. Hey, Kevin, I just got a, uh, a message from my partner here who said that, uh, EPA smart way had actually reached out to us as a small fleet slash owner operator. Um, to do some work with them oh, on their SmartWay project. Ah, maybe it'll get improved. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm wondering what, what that's going to be yeah. all about. So, yeah, that'll, that'll be kind of cool. So I'll let you know. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, Henry, I just um, I want to let you know Matt just sent me a message. Um, you're just lucky that you don't have to work with brokers. <laughs> that's right that's luck. right just pure luck <laughs> I, I agree i'm very lucky and fortunate <laughs> all right you. we're we're gonna we're gonna get to some more calls because they're starting to pile up on me we're off to uh gilroy lenny welcome hey kevin hey, Joel. hey isn't hey, that area Henry. isn't that area kind of getting pounded right now Actually, no. no? Um, they're expecting like three days of rain and like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Okay. But yeah. the reservoir is full. I mean, the reservoir is literally full. Yeah, I just came through the Central but, Valley down and back on I-5, and it was uh, it was looking pretty wet in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely green. Everything's yeah. green. I don't know how long it's going to last, but... There you go. What can we help you um, with today? I got a question. Um, well, I got a question for Joel and then one for you. Um, I've got, uh, I did my um, exhaust plungers. I have a 17 Volvo with a A13J. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. two of my exhaust plungers were backing off. And I had to mm-hmm. do the rear timing cover. So I figured I'd just mm-hmm. take care of it all at once. But mm-hmm. I have no use for those tools anymore. So. I don't know if, if your game, I can leave them at your warehouse with the instructions. If somebody's interested in doing the job themselves, I'll just leave them with you. 
and then somebody can stop in and pick them up, or you can ship them out to them when they buy something or whatever. Gotcha. Just two little tools. Uh, one's holding the plunger, the other one's sure, the, turning it in to lock it. Right, to disassemble lock things, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and cool, there's cool, a special cool. Loctite that you use, a 270. Yes, props. yes, yep. yep. Isn't it green? Yeah. No, is that lock? Yeah, it actually is, is green. It? Yeah, it comes in a green. Yeah, it yes. comes in a red bottle, but it's green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you use the red Loctite, you, you screwed up. It needs to be green. <laughs> so yeah, you got yeah. it. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, the suspension thing. Um, mm -hmm. I know Freightliner uses the Optimax, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think they use the the Optimax six by two setup. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. Um. Volvo has the, like mine, has the link on the front, mm -hmm. and then I have the regular HAS on the back. Mm, you on should have BOAS on the back if it's a Volvo. But, yeah, Volvo, okay, it looks like that. BOAS, yeah, yes. It's, yeah, it's very similar, yeah. correct, yes. Yeah. Um, we're specking out a new truck for mm -hmm. 2024, uh, mm -hmm. like June. Um mm -hmm. And I was wondering, do they, will they let you, uh, they have a new suspension. I think it's called a HTB 210. Well, Volvo. Mm, uh, here's the option. No, here's the options that you have. Um, they have VOAS, which I do not recommend on a 6x2 because it's very torque yeah, reactive. Yeah, goes up and down like crazy. So, right. So the option that they have that has virtually no torque reactivity and is very good at absorbing dynamic whip is Primax, and it's the 23K Primax, version right. of Primax. Um, yeah. Now, there's another one in the works, and if you're out at 2024, this may be available by then, um, V-Gross which is Volvo's global rear air suspension. And it is, it's a very, very good suspension. It's very popular all around the world. There is zero torque reactivity. It's air ride in the front side of the axle and the backside it has a big V bar up top. So um, you're not getting any torque steer to it. It's a, it's a great suspension. I, it's not listed yet, but it's coming very soon. Uh, but Primax also works very well. That's what I have under my six by twos. Um, and yeah. it's, it's definitely an upgrade rides better, handles better. It does everything better than VOAS on a six by two application. Okay. It sounds like it's similar to the new way ADZ kind of. It, it, it's, it's very similar. The big difference is ADZ has a V rod arrangement up top which i prefer yeah primax has three torque rods two parallel one transverse they basically do the same thing the reason we don't use adz is it's very roll stiff and when you yeah. uh get a very roll stiff suspension it'll it'll beat you up um when you get like a washboard highway so you need something that has a little more give left to right and um or uh prime yeah, Primax has that. The Primax rides very, very nice, and uh, it's very heavy duty. So we we get the situation we call dynamic whip, where when you lift that axle off the ground, you just you know cut your amount of dampening in half essentially, 
and the suspension and the, the trailer can sometimes, especially if you're tail heavy, will will pound on the fifth wheel and the Primax is able to absorb all that. Yeah, I get a so lot of that. I haul house. Yeah, right. Yes, yes. You yeah. you get oh, I, same thing that I'm doing. So yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking. Primax will completely eliminate that issue that Voas has, and your tires will last longer. It's going to ride better. It's going to ha- it's going to do everything better. Um, just one okay. thing to keep in mind on the Volvo suspension, it is an electronically controlled suspension and there are parameters associated with that yeah. suspension. It's called ECS and there are traction yep. help timers, um, that you have to turn on. They're set at one second from the factory. And I think you can go up to 20 seconds with them. Make sure you turn them on. And then there's a DRT setting in there. And I think they've got that finally adjusted to where it needs to be around 25. So those two things will make yeah. a big, big difference. So just make sure you've got that done. Yeah, we have an issue with this one right now where when we start to go downhill um, mm-hmm. and then hit the brakes, it dumps the air mm-hmm. on the rear axle. Um, we've been trying to figure it out. We think we got it resolved. It, it's still valve underneath the dash that controls the signal yes that that is a dead end circuit and what happens because it's dead end it it'll get dirty and you need to clean (laughs) you need to clean it out or replace it so yeah that's most likely what's happening yeah yeah that's uh what we're doing this weekend yeah Um, awesome let me think i got um oh there's oh um i went to uh thanks for the information about jim's shop i went over there and we did the whole uh, tractor and trailer, and it made a big difference. Um, good. We uh, did good, the good, doctor good. preload on every axle, um, uh-huh. put all the nuts on everything, and yeah, it it made a difference. Awesome. And uh, awesome. We're, we're, glad we're to actually hear going it. back there uh, on the 29th. We're getting that air dog put on. So, awesome. Nice. Yep. Great. Yep. And now we're going to head down to the show, so we'll probably see you there. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, sounds good. We're going to move along. We are off to Louisiana. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. I got two comments and one question. All right. So the Walmart near my house, they used to have the robot that went around and did the inventory. 2020 (laughs) this was. Yeah. So I'm like you, Kevin. I used to like, I don't know, I knew I couldn't be yeah, the only one that thought robot, like this. Easy. I know. I knew I, I, knew I no, couldn't I, be the only so, one. So if you, you stand in front of it, and if you just stood there, eventually it would turn around or it would cross over and then go down the other aisle. But if you stepped out of the way, it would keep going. But And I have – I've thought about doing this on the – the Waymo trucks that go up and down between Dallas and Houston to pass them and then slow down and see what happens. <laughs> but I, like I, haven't, these, I haven't done that yet. Like these robots, they, they have to have all kinds of cameras and sensors. What would happen if I just started shining lasers at its sensors? <laughs> I don't know. So, but, oh, gosh. You know, <laughs> maybe it would be like a cat. A, I, Maybe I could get it to just chase the little the pointer what, around like a cat. Kevin. Chase the dog, yeah. 
<laughs> Kevin. Yeah. yeah. You, you told me you weren't you weren't a trouble you told me you weren't a troublemaker. I'm just curious. Yeah, that's that's all. I'm, I'm just curious. Oh, now that's the new word for troublemaker now. Curious. curious. There you go. Uh, yeah. Kevin's by so, curious, they, right? Yeah, that's right. They, they order they they've done away with that robot. It's not there now. I don't know if they still use them, but they ought to program No, you know why they got rid of it? There was some some idiot kept stepping in front of it and making it turn around all the time. <laughs> oh, they, yeah. they had to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, well, they should have they should have programmed it. If you stepped in front of it more than three times, it gave you a warning. Attention! Uh, no, what they run what they over. Sh- <laughs> what they should do is they should put like one of those rock and sock and robot arms with a with a boxing glove on it. If you step in front of it, it just <laughs> <That's boom. right>. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> right, so, danger, Will then, Robinson. Danger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, there you go. <laughs> my my other my other comment about the exotic dancers. Um, I'm going to need a GoFundMe account because I'm going to go and do some heavy research. <laughs> And you know it. The, the whole reason they they get the break from the rules is because this is an art form, you know. That's and it. if it's arts and and whatnot, right. it, it, you know, they deserve a break because it is an art form. That's they, exactly right. They need an endowment. I think it was yeah. That's it. <laughs> an endowment? Yeah. Who's <laughs> endowed? Well endowed, they already got it. <laughs> oh, we better so, move okay. away from this subject. We're going down so, a bad, a bad, yeah, yeah. bad road here. So how many? Okay, shows, where's that applause again, Kevin? How many shows can you call and talk about fuel mileage and heavy trucks, exotic dancers? Um, <laughs> <laughs> robot obsessions and robot. then and then you can also talk about your rear end. <laughs> so I, I have a serious question serious question on the six by two now. So mm-hmm. um does the does that axle automatically lift up depending on what your weight is or do you just have to flick a switch or what? On the, the Volvo system, it will automatically raise. You have a parameter in there, and you can set the weights where you would like it to raise at the target weights. And then you have what they are calling a traction enhancement switch um, where you can set the axle down manually. You cannot pick <laughs> it up manually, but you can set it down and you can change the biasing weight manually. So if you're in a slippery situation and you want to bias more weight to the drive axle, you can do that, but you cannot lift the axle off the ground manually. You can set it down manually, but you cannot lift it up manually. Okay. Right. Yeah, well, that's all I got today. Pretty much the same on gotcha. gotcha. All right. I'm out of here. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Pat, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, guys. Kevin, I think we should do a survey of how many of your listeners say out loud to themselves, Aldi, every time they hear you say, let's go to Paul. (laughs) Literally every time you take Paul's call, I say out loud to myself, Aldi, (laughs) just waiting for it. (laughs) 
The reason I'm calling today, guys. You're not in one of those company trucks with the rear-facing camera, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, forward Good. only. Okay. <laughs> Besides, I just be watching myself. Yeah, there you go. Um, hey, the, guy, the reason I'm calling, guys, I have, and I apologize in advance, Kevin, if you hear me call one or two more of your shows asking the same thing. I've got an issue going on um, with an older truck, well, 2015 uh, Mac, the driveline problem. It's got a standard, like, two-piece drive shaft between the transmission and the front differential, so you got a carrier bearing. The issues I'm having are between the carrier bearing and the front differential. The mm-hmm. slip joint, so coming out of the carrier bearing, going, going backwards towards the differential, is a slip joint. Then it's just a standard, you know, U-joint yoke, um, input yoke to go into the differential. Both the flip joint and the input yoke and the U-joint are coming loose like every 20 to 25,000 miles. Um, like every, when it gets like 50 or 60, it's bad and I got to replace it. I've replaced those two components twice already. Um, and it's continuing to come loose like every 20, 25 is when it starts to, to get play in it. So the, the other symptom the truck has could or could not be related to the underlying cause. It's got a hop at highway speed. It, it shake, the whole cab hops and shakes for three seconds and then smooths out for three seconds. Shakes for three, smooths for three. Curious if like maybe there's something that's bent that's wiping out U joints through vibration and causing the hop. No idea, do but you, it's, it's really it's really tough. Do you have a, a brand name on the drive shaft? Yeah, it's a Spicer two fifty. Going going into a Meritor axle. That now that's unusual for on on a Mac. Normally they're Meritor drive shafts. And what about the carrier bearing? What what brand of carrier bearings in that? Ooh, the carrier bearing. Not sure. I could buy twenty okay, twenty. So they have it. They they had some issues with um with the the durometer of the rubber and the carrier bearings. And this was more of a Meritor issue than it was a Spicer, but everybody had this issue right around that time frame. You're talking about 2015. Um, I'm assuming you've updated that carrier bearing since it's not the original. Correct. That, that's that's oh. a new 25,000 miles ago in, in September. Yeah. I, and my understanding is that Meritor still has a little bit of an issue with the softness of that, that rubber. Um, but my thought is if you have a Spicer drive line, you probably have a Spicer uh, carrier bearing in there um, or an Atro or something like that. I would be surprised if you still had the Meritor carrier bearing in there. We've, yeah. we've run into a lot of troubles with, with just the Meritor driveline in general with exactly what you're talking about. Um, really? Stop coming loose? Uh, uh, Meritor, yeah, because just yeah. in general, they, they have a thicker diameter wall on the shaft, and they, they have a hard time maintaining the thickness consistency, and they, they don't run out near as true as what the spicers typically do. Now, that being said, you might have something bent or you may have a carrier bearing issue. The rubber's too soft and it's letting things get a little bit goofy there. Um, uh, beyond that, I mean, as long as your suspension is level, uh, you're running the correct ride height, uh, the leveling valve is good. Um, have you had the drive shaft to a drive shaft shop to have it balanced and whatnot? 
So, yeah, we, we rebuilt the flip joint in September. So the rear piece drive shaft behind the carrier bearing was sent out. Um, not the front, just the rear piece. Um, the, other, the other thing I'll tell you, uh, two years ago, I did have a ride height issue. The, the leveling valve was clogged, and it wasn't releasing all the air mm-hmm. after unloading. Um, mm-hmm. so for a handful of weeks before figuring it out, there was an awful rattling, grinding metallic sound coming from the rear end. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was, we've replaced the, the components twice since then, but I'm wondering if it damaged something in the rear end, like bent something. Could, could a bent, like, is there something <sighs> that could, you know, you could suspect is bent? It's a possibility, yeah, that your your input back there may be, may be screwed up a little bit. Um, hmm. 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 Yeah, I'm going to buy my guys in the shop and see what they have to say about it. Okay. Yeah, we diagnosed that and fixed that before the two replacements of the components I was talking about. So it's not gotcha. like that's what you're being into it now unless it's and, caused and you, an underlying problem. And yours is a, is, it's a 250 that you're running, a Spicer 250. So Yep, yep for sure. Yeah, let me, uh, let, me, let me ask. In fact, you know what? Um, why don't you, you send me a... a do you have my email? Um, no, I have you on the tribe, but I don't have an email. Um, here, I'll give you my email. It's Joel okay. at Alpha Drivers dash TC okay. dot com. And Alpha um, that, yep, send me the information. I was just with all the the Dana Spicer guys down at TMC, and um, I will. Uh, try and hook you up with a guy internally and see if we can get that resolved for you. If you've got all Dana Spicer componentry on the drive line there, they may have some insight for you. Okay, cool. I'll get all the records. I'll make it uh, clear and concise and send them to you. I appreciate it, Joel. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Good. Yep. Yep. See you guys. All right. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to... North Carolina, that is our last call on the board. If you want to jump in, 855-950-3835. Gene, welcome. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, before I get to my real question, I've uh, been listening to your discussion about the Facebook and let's boycott some uh, agents. I just kept on thinking in the back of my mind, that sounds like union tactics. Exactly. You know, and, and if you want to be a union, go be an employee and join a union. And, you know, that's fine. I, I've never yeah. understood independent businesses that always say, well, we have to stick together and screw this guy. I, 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 and if you don't yeah. like the way somebody does business and you think you're going to boycott them until they change the, the way they do business, why not just go find somebody else to do business with? Exactly. There's a better fit somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, on to my question, though, with air tabs. Whenever we mount them, we want them mounted closest to the trailing edge as we can of, uh, of that plane. Yeah, for the most part, with, yeah. Correct. So with, uh, with my new Volvo here, it has the, the black plastic extensions beyond the fiberglass extensions off the cab. Would mm-hmm. I want them on 
the black no. extension or onto no. the fiberglass. Extension. Yeah, you want to you want to keep them on the fiberglass. The anything that will flex even a little bit, you're just likely to just keep knocking those things off. So I just had a guy that put them on the black on a brand new Volvo and that black plastic back there is a little stiffer than what it was in the past. I'm kind of with Kevin. I'm kind of afraid of it. He's had them on for quite a while and they have been working. Um, I, I think I would still probably put them on the, on the painted surface rather than the black plastic. But, um, remember Kevin, when they, it was just that real flexible rubber right, back there and you right. could move it all around. Um, this is much stiffer nowadays. It, and, um, I, so I, I you might could probably get away. It, it looks, it, it looks good with the black tab on that black plastic. You almost can't see them and it's kind of nice, but, um, I, I, I hesitate. I ran them in the past. And I had problems keeping them on, and that's kind of why I just got away from it. It just the, the fuel efficiency never, savings I could never measure. I loved them as far as the the visibility and whatnot, and they did keep the trailer cleaner. There's no doubt. Um, but I just got sick and tired of having to stick them on every now and again, and so I just kind of lost. And it interest. gives you a little bit more. You got like a, a more stable feeling too, especially in high winds or if you're on a two lane road passing somebody. Uh, it uh, seems. A lot of guys have pointed that out. Um, I've had the damn uh, link cabmate like Henry's got, and so oh, yeah. I, I don't have that issue anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just yeah. as rock stable as can be. But, uh, yeah, you're right. A lot of people have pointed that out, that they think it adds a little stability to the cab with the air tabs as well. Yeah. And before I got the tabs, I, I went back to, like you said, that plastic is very stout now. It's not flexible and pliable. And that's why I was decided mm -hmm. to go with the white ones or the black ones. I decided to go with the black, thinking about putting them mm -hmm. onto that extension. They would blend in there. So they're not they, super they, expensive. They, you may give it a shot. They did yeah. something similar to what you're talking about with that harder black plastic on the Freightliner with the two-inch longer one uh, mm -hmm. edge to the cab extender. And I saw one guy. I didn't get to talk to him, but his aren't falling off because. You know them smaller rivets? Mm -hmm. He drilled a hole in each one and put a rivet through it. It ain't leaving. <laughs> well, that yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that'll stay. Gotcha. No, it, yeah. I, if if <laughs> if that surface is that rigid, I'd be willing to try it. Yeah, they do kind of look nice. The, yeah, the black tab on the black plastic. It, they 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 look nice. They actually look good. Where. Before they were always a little gaudy sticking yeah. up there on the side of the cab, and uh, so yeah. And, and I will uh, tell you this: I got you on the phone, Joel. I, I have a the air tabs are really, really hard to paint. <laughs> yeah, it, I can imagine it, they are. They're we we've screwed around with all kinds of different setups trying to figure out a good, efficient way to paint those things. But remember, when the air's going by them from your sprayer, it starts doing all kinds of weird stuff. And how do you put them? You know, we tried hanging them up. We tried all kinds of crazy stuff. I've painted a bunch of them, and it's not easy. Yeah, gotcha. Another uh, question, Joel. I uh, I dropped my air mm -hmm. dog in. It's at, at the house waiting to go get it mm -hmm. installed. Mm -hmm. My Volvo garage is declining mm -hmm. to do the install of said air dog because they're afraid about voiding the warranty. It, it doesn't void warranty. 
because you get you have right. the, the so, Moss Moss Magnum Act, whatever it is. So it will yeah, not void so. the warranty. Uh, there, there's really no difference between an Air Dog and a Davco. A Davco is an optional filter that is ordered when they build the truck. Um, right. The factory just happens to install the Davco. You can get a truck without a Davco. So, so this is so, this is the exact same type of thing. I've tried to explain it's just this. Just a different type of filter system. I've, I've tried to explain this well, for years, and the air dog. Joel's completely correct. Putting the air dog on the truck does not void the warranty. Putting anything on the truck does not void the warranty. The way warranties work, the manufacturer need if they try to claim that they're not going to cover the warranty because you put the air dog let's use that as an example they would have to prove that the air dog caused the problem and if they could prove that then they shouldn't have to cover it it's not their product's fault if they can prove that it, but then most good companies and i i don't know this for sure with air dog but i'm going to assume it and joel you may know almost everybody that makes a product like this has liability insurance for their product. So if their product did fail and caused your engine to crater and the manufacturer refused the warranty, their insurance should cover that then. But here's what can happen in the real world. And we just have to understand this. You pull into a dealer and say, Hey, my truck's not running right and you know you need to fix it and it's under warranty and the service manager looks at under your hood and says what's this thing we're not going to cover it and it happens and it's wrong it's illegal that's not the way the law works but what do you do at that point so you just have to understand you may have to fight for this i've seen it happen many times where the dealer just says no that that voids the warranty no it doesn't it, but you you may have to fight for it in the real world. And this yeah. product will sure. improve the the longevity of all the components down the line. It's not like you're going against anything. It's all for improvement. Yeah, right. It, no different than a bypass oil filter. It's good for the engine. Why would we void the warranty because you put something on that's going to make the engine last longer? It doesn't, but but if something were to fail on that product and then it caused their truck or their engine to fail, they shouldn't have to cover that. I agree with the way the law is written, and it just we you just have to know that you have dealers out there that will swear up and down that it voids the warranty and, and they just won't do it. And then you have to figure out how right. you're going to fight that. Well, now, Joel, like is when, it... Uh, when, when fleets start having a lot of problems with fuel pumps or fuel injectors, right away they're grabbing samples of fuel. Well, I understand why they are, because usually when they have problems, it's usually with a fleet that starts dumping stuff in their own fuel and makes something bad happen. Yeah, right, and like I say, if, Joel, if that's the case, now... they shouldn't have to cover it. No, they shouldn't. Is uh. From Volvo now, when you order a new truck with the the Fontaine, the aftermarket add-ons before it leaves the plant, is the Air Dog available to be installed by Fontaine now? Uh oh, did we lose everybody? Joel, hello. Uh, yeah, you, you lost. I, I was 
to say that oh. Alfon came with them. We we did lose Joel. It looks Hello? like he's trying to get back in. Yeah, it's funny how some of that stuff works. Mine has factory mounted centromatics. Um, because I'm pretty sure Joel had the had his bypass the oil bypass filter put on and some things done at I, uh, Fontaine, which puts the aftermarket. Yeah, I I've had OPS installed at the aftermarket phase of the truck build, so uh, you can get just about anything installed at that phase. Yeah, that, it's just where, I mean, this was my Volvo dealer that was saying they didn't want to do it because of yeah. uh, implications of the uh, why. And that just kind of baffled me. It's like, well, we can, to my understanding, you could get it you know, on the order of a new truck. Yeah. Joel, the. Uh, uh, oftentimes, that's just the standard answer, no matter what you would have asked if you could put it on. Yeah. A lot of times, right. that's close to the standard answer. We've got Joel back. Joel, the question was can you get the air dog? installed uh, during the aftermarket phase of the build? I'm not 100% sure on that. I will check with my guys at Fontaine to see if that's possible um, to have it installed. Most dealerships, if they have not had anybody trained specifically on the air dog, they won't touch it because they just haven't had anybody trained, and so they're not going to open up that can of worms. And I get that. Uh, they're not hard to install. Um, most independent shops will do that. Uh, it will not void your warranty. And if you're having issues finding a place to do an install, just call Jay at, at AirDog. He'll set you up, um, get you yeah, a place I, that, I talk with Jay. that can get it installed. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He'll he'll make that happen. But yeah, most dealers, they're you know they look at that. They've never seen it before. They they don't know anything about it, and they're going to be like, eh, we'll pass. You know what I mean? So yeah. they don't want to tell you, I don't want to do it because I don't know what I'm doing. They're never going to say that. They're just going to say, oh, that might void the warranty. We don't want to touch it. So I right. get it. Yep. And I was able to locate uh, enough oil to do my oil change, which will be doing the first of the week now. So. Oh, you got uh, the, the VDS-5 oil for yeah, yours? Right. We found it over in Youngstown. Oh, uh, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, the man dealers had it over there. How how many miles are you into yours here? Uh, right now, I'm climbing over Fancy Gap, and I am at 36,140. Okay, yeah, and, and I'm going to be dropping mine in that same range. Now, Volvo, they're saying, no, take it out to 60 on the break-in. And I, I'm like, are you yeah. sure? And they're like, they're like, yeah, you can take it out to 60. And you know, that's the old school thing of me just screaming, saying, no, let's drop it sooner. I think I am actually going to take it out to 60 on the break in oil, just because I want to know. Um, I have not sampled this oil that's in there because I typically don't sample break in oil. Uh, it gives you all well, kinds you of goofy stuff that I sent you. Yeah. Yeah. So I may, I may, um, I may sample this just because and just to see what's going on with it and, and go from there. But, uh, um, well, my other question also was with OPA, OPS or Horizon Lab, if they have mm -hmm. that BDS oil to have a reference point to. Well, and what, sample, what's, I, what is weird with this oil, um, so what's, Henry, what's the latest rating on the oil that FA4, FA4, FA4. So they have the FA4 and the lab will probably have 
that in their system, the FA4, every FA4 oil does not meet the VDS-5 spec. Some do and some do not. And so you've really got to pay attention on the Volvo side of things that it actually meets the VDS-5 spec. And uh, what I, I don't know what the difference is, but they, they don't all meet it. So on, on that subject, going, what Joe, I do, it's going it's to be interesting because the FA4 is so hard to come by out here as a general rule. Most shops mm-hmm. don't have it. I know Doggett has it in in uh, mm-hmm. San Antonio, but mm-hmm. like on the Detroit, they they approved their seventy five changes on CK or FA now. Well, they, Volvo will let you do it, but they put a little caveat in there that says as soon as the other oil is available, you, you need to, you need to get it in. And the big thing is there, there is definitely a fuel efficiency benefit to the new oils. And they're saying the BDS five approved oils, it is a 530 full synthetic, but I guess it's, the lubricity somehow is different than the standard 530. They're they're actually thinner than a regular 530. Some I I don't know. I I need to find out exactly what's going on there. 530s, most I, of them right now. Yeah, this is all 530 on, on the Volvo side, and they are saying two point like five percent versus fifteen forty uh, fuel economy gain on a seven mile a gallon engine. Which is uh, yeah, pretty point three on the bottle. Yeah, two point three, two point five, right in that area. So yeah, it's uh, that's a uh, that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, I I had posted the price. It's like forty eight bucks a gallon at the place that I had seen it, and I'd posted online, and some guys like, well, I'd need to save, you know, three hundred and sixty dollars in a twenty thousand mile change. Well, first of all, you're going to go three times further than twenty thousand. And yeah. it worked out to like $257 you saved in fuel efficiency in that 20,000 miles. So you almost save it in fuel efficiency on the short duration. It's close. So I know a lot of guys are like, oh, my God, that's so expensive. But at the end of the day, when you work out the numbers on it, it's worth running. It's funny to also get people's my- mentality to change because I just did my second oil change at 150000 no bypass mm-hmm. filters or nothing. That's just factory recommended. And yep. when I started, you would have been rolling bearings in an engine. On my next <laughs> yeah, that's change. true. That's true. That is true. In my 36,000 mile, I have only gone down one quart of oil. And I believe that was whenever we had the OPS system put on, it dropped. It was down. Yeah. It is not gone. And I had that OPS put on with like 1,200 mile on the, on the truck. And in 36,000 nice. mile, it... The oil hasn't come down at all. It's every time I look at it, I keep on expecting that's going to drop a little. It never has. Yeah, and your your fuel engines they don't Mm -hmm. use oil. And your 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 fuel efficiency still holding where you want it to be on that. I'm around nine point four. I want to do a little bit more. I was fighting a lot of strong headwinds when I was running out into uh, New Mexico and Arizona. Um, it seems like, which which way I was going, I find the headwind all the time. Here's the, here's the thing to think about on this. And, and Henry, I know this hits home with you as well. We are in the dead of winter on a new truck breaking in at (laughs) 9.4. Yeah. That's just freaking awesome. It just is. is. I mean, 
that because that's going to be a, a ten and a half mile a gallon truck this summer. Yeah, um, you're going to pick up between seven tenths to a mile a gallon, and that is and just freaking awesome. And when I look at the fuel cost per mile with our my Landstar discount, I'm at thirty seven cents a mile. No, it's thirty eight cents a mile, I think, right now. And then you add in my three cents a mile on death. I'm at mm-hmm. forty one cents a mile for operation down the road. Yeah, that's incredible. And one of the other things, and and I was just talking to my brother yesterday about this. So we know that Navistar is rolling out this new engine without EGR. And, of course, we've been really pushing the envelope as far as the downspeeding goes. And initially, when we got our first emission engines back in the day, we had more more traditional like gearing on it and when we had some egr problems um early on you'd get some coking inside the cooler it'd get pinhole leaks and then you'd have to replace it uh vol's initial solution was to put a nonstick coating in there and um it, it worked to some degree but we still had some egr issues now that the entire fleet is downsped um Jerry's telling me we've got zero EGR issues, none across the fleet. And so, you know, there's some solutions out there that they want to completely do away with EGR and they're going to put a a dual SCR system. I'm kind of rethinking that now. We have more problems with the SCR than we do EGR nowadays. So it's just some interesting stuff what happens when we we really start to downspeed it we get that piston speed down and we get it consistent like the detroit does like the volvo does we and henry you haven't had had issues egr wise i'm assuming either no no the only thing i've ever which could have happened on any of them and that was the first one way back mm-hmm. it had a fuel cooler go that that's been it sure sure so, you know, a lot of the emission systems challenges that we've had over the years have really come into line since we've been able to develop the, you know, the downsped architecture and the engines to the, to the degree that we have. And we get this phenomenal fuel mileage that, you know, it's, it's not just me. It's not just Henry. There's other guys out here that are, are doing it as well. Um, and uh, so it's, uh, it's good to see that, you know, things are really really starting to come together and it's not only driving fuel costs down but it's driving maintenance costs down as well well how far it's I, come joel i know a, i know a fleet that's 500 trucks and their fleet average is nine four and they have a hundred of those trucks averaging better than 10 mm-hmm. yep that yeah who, who would have thought you i mean that's unbelievable <laughs> yeah I mean that's a fleet, a fleet that really engages their driver and training and everything else. But sure, yeah, sure, it, yeah. Can, it can be done. All and right. I'll bet you that they have seen a correlation in their maintenance costs drop as their fuel mileage has went up as well. So it's kind of a a double whammy that we don't talk about. And I think in a fleet situation, that maintenance savings is probably as much or more than the fuel savings is. Could be. There, there, there was another double whammy on them during the time period where they were, well, still somewhat of a problem with allocation. They ended up having to keep some of their trucks longer than they normally did, you know, where they were getting up in that 700 and some thousand mile range. 
and they mm-hmm. thought their maintenance costs were going to go through the roof, and they did. Correct. Yes. Yep. All right. We, we, we well, see the same thing. Exact yep. same thing. We're going to head off to Pennsylvania. Luke, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Ah, oh, that couple callers ago, I think his name was Pat, called in, had that Mac. It is, you uh, joints kept coming loose. Mm-hmm. And I remember he said about he has a vibration that comes and goes like every three seconds. And I think Mike and Kevin Beckett say that's a loose wheel bearing. Say, say that again. What? I think Mike and Kevin Beckett say when you have a vibration that cycles, it comes and goes no. like every three seconds. Yeah, Isn't that so a loose wheel bearing and your shocks there, take it out for a little bit and then it comes back? There are a couple things that can cause that. And I thought of that as he was saying it until he started talking about how the U-joints are failing and coming loose. And so, yeah, that could have been a wheel-bearing issue, and then the shocks are cycling, but in this case, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm just kind kind of wondering, too, if the drive shaft is phased right. Right. If it's out of phase, maybe that's screwing the works up, too. This is a driveline issue somewhere. They don't usually get better. No. All right. Not, not on their own, no. I don't know if we, <laughs> we lost Luke or what happened there. Um, we've got one more call we're going to grab. We're up off to Illinois. Mick, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. This should be a pretty simple one for you. I just, I was, I've got one of them old 2 million mile Peterbilts with the trash cans on the side. Um, <laughs> I, uh, we're looking at, I was looking at maybe doing a, a cutoff rear end and one that I found, um, has a 247 rears. I know that you talked about the 264 and I believe Matt said he has a 258, but with a 247, would that kind of end up like being like a 336 with the overdrive? Just it's too high for some things and too low for others. Or what do you think? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm in a rental truck right now that is 247 direct. Um, uh-huh. And in direct drive, it's great to 63 mile an hour. You don't want to go any faster than 63. When you run 70 mile an hour in direct with a 247, you're right at uh, 1,475 RPM. Um, so I. Depending on what engine you're running and where the the power curve is, uh, the 247 with an overdrive should be, it should give you two gears at highway speed, at moderate highway speed, where you could run an overdrive or direct, either one. Um, so I don't like the concept of just gearing the truck to run in direct drive with a with a newer engine. And when I say newer, I'm not really sure on the other manufacturers, how far that goes back to apply the term newer to, um, with the Volvo. I know if we got back to 2015, we could easily put an overdrive on a 247 and the engine makes enough torque and horsepower at low RPM to, to run it down the road just fine. So, um, okay. This is an old school, you know, an E model cat and a regular old 13 speed, you know, with the two overdrives. But 
Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I didn't know. My guess, my guess is that you're probably going to be just fine with a 247. Um, you know, how fast do you run? Well, generally I'm down like around 63 is fine. Occasionally I like to get up there, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta get somewhere, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think you're just fine. I think you're just, fine yeah, okay. I just, I just, I was a little worried about, you know, like everybody's startability in reverse and then it's a flatbed. I run flatbed. And so 247 um, is going to be your cutoff point with that transmission. I, my personal thought, you don't want to get any lower than 247. You should, uh, you should be okay yeah, with your startability yeah. at 247. Mm-hmm. Okay. Me, the other worry is going to be the drive shaft as you start applying a lot more tor- torque to it than you would have before because, well, not more torque to it, but it can't get rid of it as easy turning that. Yeah, you're around. running it all the, all the way back. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I, yep. I, yeah. I've wondered about, well, and, you know, I don't know, the guys that have kind of been doing it say it, they've been getting away with just your this stock drive shaft lines that they've run with but i don't know like when you buy a cutoff when you buy a cutoff maybe you get the drive shaft and you can have the heavier drive line i'm not sure well when the owner's driving the truck you can get away with a lot of things but yeah true you look at the drive shaft that's in these new trucks like mine and probably yours, Joel. They, they, they it looks look like, like a fifty-five gallon drum. They're huge. I mean, yeah, they're huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're way so what, bigger than what, they put in behind the old KTAs. Right. What you probably are going to end up, you're probably not going to, you know, poop it out all over the ground. But you probably will do U joints more often, and that's where the Dana guys. I was talking with them about this down at TMC. Um, you can see up to a 30% reduction in your um, U-joint life when you downspeed an engine and you don't upgrade the U-joints to handle that. So that would be probably what you'll see is you're probably going to have to do U-joints a little more often. Not really that big a deal. Putting more torque through, I suppose. Yep. Yep. And they're going to wear a little quicker. All right. Grease, all right, grease them guys. a little more often and take it easy on them, and you'll probably be all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, cool. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. There you go. Yep. All right. We're going to wrap it up for the day. Joel, Henry, what do you guys want to close with? Just just uh, have, a, have a good day. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, don't let stuff yeah. bother you. Don't, yeah. don't, don't let the government uh, drive you crazy. Um, yeah, it's, sure. uh, yeah. Just relax. (laughs) Henry? It'll be all right. And same thing, you know, take your time, get there alive, get there profitably, and stay away from the robots. Stay away from those exotic dancer robots in the Lowe's parking lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the next there. thing we're going to see. We're going to see a Waymo exotic dancer. That's and right. I, you know, I, I don't know that we want that. Just stay away. They're nothing <laughs> look, but trouble. Look at all the Waymo trucks stopping there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. With that, we are going to wrap this up. We'll see you again next week. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.